0: What's up, everybody? This is Juan Young, and you are listening to the Marriages for Jolts podcast. Usually, my wife is joining me, but today is just me by myself. She's actually away uh, with the little one. She went to go visit her parents. So uh, it's just me, Uh, and I know it's been a while, so I wanted to record an episode. There were a few things that... um, just want to share, man. I came across an article. Well, okay. Before I even start, uh, for those of you who may be just joining us, maybe this is your first time listening in or viewing this. It's a little unorthodox. I guess you can consider this a bonus episode. We normally don't do it like this, but um, it's been a while. So I wanted to make sure that we got you some content share something. And I know a few people were DMing us and DMing me saying, hey, when's the next thing coming out? So wanted to make sure that we shared. And I think this will be uh, a cool episode. So Marriage is for Adults is a podcast, something that my wife, uh Bri, Anna, Brianna, uh, something she was really excited to do it was really an opportunity for us to share some of our some of the things we've been through as a married couple, we've been married um for some years uh when do we get married? oh yeah, nine six fifteen so we're going on five years this year, and um the journey has been an interesting one I mean it's been up down um but I mean all through it, God's hand has been on our marriage and you know we've had some tough times and we've been able to get through it but um. I think every testimony is never, I think you go through things and you have a testimony and it's not for yourself and it's for other people. And so our whole thing is about sharing and being transparent of some of the things that we struggled with. So that way other people um, can learn some of the strategies that we used and some of the things that we did to overcome some of the hurdles. And we're not perfect. We're not marriage therapist or, you know, anything like that. But we're just two people who are on this journey and trying to figure it out. So we have a two-year-old son, which also adds to the mix (laughs) and all the, you know, throws a little thing, throws a little curveball in there when you have a child. And so we're just learning. And hopefully you all get some value out of this. And hopefully you all just enjoy listening and experiencing uh, the journey and the ride that we're on. So I guess I'm just going to go ahead and hop into it. It's a little weird because it's just me. There's nobody to to talk to. Um, so yeah, hope you all are safe out there. We all know COVID-19, coronavirus, you know, it is that time. So, you know, there's been a, a lot of reflection time. And one of the things that I've just been kind of looking at I've really have on my, uh, on my goals for this year is just, you know, a lot more reading. And one of the books I have is called 52 things, um, wives, Want from husbands. And I've been reading that. And then I came across this article, um, online and it was the 10 principles for Christian husbands and fathers. And I thought it was really cool. So I figured I would read them and kind of talk a little bit about them and, um, so this episode really is just going to be talking about clearly what I just said as a title, um, principles for Christian husbands and fathers, and um, I think there is some good things in here. So let's let's hop into it. Uh, so the first thing is the first principle. It says is to pursue happiness, to pursue holiness, not happiness, to pursue holiness. Um, it so said, this is really the key for lead to leading our families in Christ. A Christian husband and father cannot lead where he has not tread. And so this idea, um, this idea of, <laughs> I guess it's that, you know, that old school idea where people will say, you know, do as I say, not as I do. You know, I think this is really talking about being that example, um, 1 Timothy 4 and 16 says, keep a close watch of your life and doctrine. Um, really, we've called, we're called to be the pastor of our home, right? To be, um, that's our really our first ministry, right? Um, and if you can't, if you can't take care of your household, how can you how can you take care of anything else, right? The Bible says that as well. Um so to pursue holiness, I think this is this is really huge. And uh, it's one of the areas for myself that I'm not going to say it's hard, but it does. I do feel convicted because there's moments when you don't like your spouse, right? There's moments when y'all are not seeing eye to eye. And, you know, to be that spiritual head of the household, to pray, um, to be the first one to break the silence. You know, I think when you talk about pursuing holiness, it's not only the pursuit of the holiness, it's to live it, to be the example, um, and really to set the spiritual tone for the house. And that is hard to do, man, because You may not always be on the same page. You may not always like each other. You may not always um, be vibrant at that moment. But really, the call for the husband is to be that spiritual foundation for the family, and so um, it's one of the principles. And I think that's something that you know the flesh, (laughs) our flesh, we struggle with. I'm not going to say we. I like to speak from the I perspective because I don't want to generalize, you know, for all husbands out there. Because to be completely honest, there's a lot of stereotypes that when we read and it talks about the stereotypes of husbands, I don't fit in that box. The weird thing is, a lot of times it's switched. My wife is the one who fits in the husband's box, and I guess I fit in the the wife's box, which is weird. Like husbands don't communicate. Like, nope, that's not me. Communicate too much, Asbury. Communicate her until she communicate to her until she doesn't want to hear anything else from anyone else. So yeah, just I'll speak from the eye perspective. So pursue holiness, really having that 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 pursuit of holiness. That's pretty much uh, yeah what it says and what I just said. The second principle: know what you can control and what you can't control. It is a fool who thinks they can control the hearts of others. We have no such charge, and thank God because we have no such ability. We can encourage, exhort, and teach our wives and children in the faith, but we cannot control their embrace of or growing in that faith. But we are charged with maintaining our own hearts. Don't neglect what you have responsibility for while pursuing that which you are not responsible for. Husbands and fathers serve their family well when they are seeking to control their own anger, selfishness, pride, and tongue. Let us know what we are empowered to do and what only the Lord can do. Wow. I think that's big. I mean, I think that speaks to. um, (coughs) (coughs) Sorry, I coughed. I'm good, though. I promise I'm good. I don't got the Rona. Um, Know what you can control and you can't control. I think there is a, uh, just speaking for me, you know, I think earlier in our marriage, I wanted to, I think it's, it's, um, (laughs) trying to see how I want to word it. Earlier in our marriage, I think I had to grow out of the idea that Brie is supposed to be, um, mini Juan, right? Um, here is this, these two people from two different, you know, backgrounds, two different, um, experiences growing up, all of that. And, we're different and now we're becoming one and each person is fighting to make the other person um, the mini version of themselves and you know there's not a lot of (laughs) it's not very successful we have two people who are pretty headstrong like bre and i and i think there this speaks to knowing what you can control and what you can't control to me, is almost a play right off the first day. You gotta, you gotta know that God is in control. If you're pursuing holiness, that means that you're focusing so much on yourself that you don't really have time to harp, to continuously focus on, to um, dedicate tons of time and energy into your partner's um, faults, and understand that. The changes that you wish that they would make or the um, the the viewpoint that you wish that they would see that you don't have control over that. You can't control your response. You can control your communication. You can control how you react. You can control your anger, your selfishness, your pride, Um, those things you can't control. Right. And so understanding that. If you focus on those things and give God everything else, that things will work themselves out the way that they are supposed to. And I'm a firm believer in it, um, but I think that you can only do that if you're pursuing holiness, right? So if pursuit, the pursuit of holiness is the foundation, and then you you use that as the foundation that you build upon that, then it'll help you to understand what you can control and what you can't control. And ultimately, God is in control of it all, right? So, um, that's number two. That was a good one. Number three. Oh, I like this. Provide in every realm. Hmm. Most Christian husbands and fathers recognize the need to provide for their families materially. Um. Even as this is true in the physical realm, so it is. So it is. In, so it is true in the spiritual. By all means, bring home the bacon, but don't stop there. Practice consistent and regular family worship. Lead your family in reading the scriptures, praying and singing. Enjoy. Take your family to church. Engage in the family ministry in the church. Pursue hospitality by inviting others to your home. Pray for your wife and your children. Don't think your job is done by putting a roof over their heads, clothes, their backs, and food in their stomachs. They are body and soul. They need your provision in the spiritual realm as well. I think this is huge. Um, and um, Brian and I, we've had conversations about this in the past. You know, I think that there is a, a, the worldly um, definition of manhood and the expectation of a husband from the world's perspective is, you know, a gentleman... A man who is a manly man who brings home all the bacon, who provides financially and is the breadwinner in a home, and I think there is something that is um, that is dangerous uh, by defining defining a husband's worth by his ability to provide financially um, and financially alone. I love that this says provide in every realm because I do think um, some of, I do think that there's a lot of husbands or individuals in relationships that do not get the credit for providing in other areas. And so, you know, I think it is just as important or even more important. And this is my perspective and opinion. Bree's not here to either co-sign or say I'm tripping. Um, but I think it's important to have a husband who is supportive, have a husband who prays for your family, have a husband who, um, is doing all he can to follow God's, um, calling for his life, right? You know, to be in God's will, to, um, who's willing to fast and listen to God and move when God says to move. You know, I think that is huge. And I think that isn't the worldly definition or expectation for a husband. You know, if you're doing those things, doesn't necessarily mean that you are the standout husband, right? Mm, You gotta... (laughs) You got to be able to do some other things to be able to be that. And I think, you know, a husband who provides stability in lots of different kind of ways is really important. I think there's stability comes in a lot of different areas other than financial. There's emotional stability, which I think is hugely important. Um, There is emotional stability, there is spiritual stability. Um, when you talk about being able to create an environment in a house um, that has a strong spiritual foundation, having a husband who does that, have, have, having a husband who understands mm-hmm. that your intellectual, emotional, and um, spiritual Just just your intellectual, your spiritual, your physical um all of that stuff is important and isn't just focusing on the financial you know I'm not saying no don't get don't don't get it twisted. I'm not one that says don't provide financially, husband shouldn't provide financially. I'm saying that when you limit and when you only look at one aspect and one facet of a person's Uh, ability to provide, I think you do a disservice to the entire um, relationship. I think you don't get to see the richness and the fullness and really celebrate this person's contribution to that relationship by only looking at one facet or aspect. So providing in every realm, the spiritual realm and the physical realm, husband's Take care of your business. I like that. Let's go to the next one. I don't even know. We can skip this one. I don't even want to talk about this. (laughs) Practice humility. Leading in Christ is different than from the world's view of leadership. The world promotes a type of leadership that demands to be served. The Christian view of leadership's demands to serve. Yeah. 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 to to be yeah this is and when we talk about humi- humility we're not talking about oh you know don't brag about yourself we're not talking about that we're talking about the willingness to to serve others and the willingness to put your wife your family before yourself. And that takes a sense of humility. That takes a sense of you removing yourself and the focus and the attention from you and saying, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about my family. It's about my wife. It's about my child or my kids and this relationship and ultimately doing it so that way God can get the glory because he you understand that God chose you he out of all the people he could have chose he chose you to love your spouse through and which is deep and it takes some humility to be able to say it's not about me it's not about my needs it's not about my selfishness and wanting to fulfill my own desires and the things that I need and the things that I want. But it's really about being a servant and serving um, my spouse. So whew, that's hard. <laughs> you know, the reading this sounds great. I mean, it you know, in theory, it sounds really good, but it's difficult in practice. And so um, I think the more we can get, I used to always struggle with um, the same, you know, happy wife, happy life. Um, or you know, people say, "Oh, did you do the honeydews?" Like the honeydews. They yeah, honey. That because the wife will say, "Honey, do this. Honey, do that. Honey, do this. Honey, do that." I used to struggle with that because the idea that I have to be miserable and my needs do not. Um, I have to focus on the needs of my spouse and to serve my spouse, regardless of my needs are being met. Think about that. You, We all have needs. The idea that I have to humble myself and say, I have been called, God has given me a responsibility to be a servant to you, to serve your needs regardless of minds are being met. It's not a a, a contractual agreement that says, you know, there's not (laughs) um, service level agreements that need to be met. Hey, if you do this, boom, boom, boom. If I have, you have sex with me this amount of times in a, a three week period, three month period, then I will do A, B, C, or D. It's not, well, you know, if you... If you make this much or you know, if you your direct deposit look like this, or you know, it is humbling myself and saying I am a willing servant to my spouse. That's deep. Whew. Let's yeah, let's move on. (laughs) I like this next one. Um persist in joy and thanksgiving. It says set the tone of your home. A Christian husband and father establishes the culture of his home more than anyone else. The moody teenager, fussy toddler, or even sullen wife are not the determining factor. You are. Pursue joy in the Lord and persist in thanksgiving for all God to God for all his good gifts. Uh, this is a great starting place for shaping your home. And so, husbands if we are if we've been called to be the spiritual foundation of our family then we also have to take the responsibility as you hear right it's a lot of responsibility and ladies if you're listening i just want you to hear like we're we're called to do a lot you know your spouses are called to do a lot men we are called to do a lot we're called to to create to be the spiritual foundation in our home But how can you be the spiritual foundation of the home if you're not also setting the tone? You should be setting the tone in the home because you are the spiritual foundation, right? That makes sense, right? You're the first one to say, I'm sorry. You're the first one to speak after a long period of silence. You're the first one to say, I'm sorry. You're the first one uh, to um, put your spouse's needs before the other. You're constantly looking for ways to be a servant and be able to put your spouse before yourself. I mean, this is... Right? So you're doing that. We've, we're called to be a lot, to do a lot. And then this says to persist in joy and thanksgiving. Husbands are called to set the spiritual foundation. And if we are setting the spiritual foundation of our home, then we should be persisting in joy. We should be constantly, constantly um, setting the tone of happiness and joy and thanksgiving and gratitude and gratefulness in our home. Our home should be a home of gratitude. We should be looking around our home consistently and thanking God for the things that are in that house. Oh, God, thank you for for this. Uh, Things are rocky right now with me and my spouse, but I just thank you that my spouse is healthy. Thank you for my child. I thank you for having a roof over our head. Yeah, my hours got cut at work or I might be furloughed because of COVID-19 or coronavirus or I may not like this job. You know, Um, God, I'm just thanking you now you know, I'm thinking in advance of what you're going to do. Right. And so, husbands, we have to continue to speak that in our homes. We have to continue to talk about this in our home. We have to set the example. That's really what it's saying. Setting the example um, for your spouse. If you have kids, imagine how powerful that will be for your kids to be able to say, man, Dad prayed with us when we we're growing up. Man, that always I don't know. It seemed like he never had a bad day. It's not like you don't have a bad day, but you're always being able to think for. You're always looking for the things that you're thankful for. You're always trying to find ways to show gratitude and to express gratitude. And I think that's. I love that principle, and I think that's uh, extremely important. I think a lot of times, us men, and I'm gonna speak general because we've been told it's just our job to bring home the bacon, it's kind of like, yeah, but the wife, yeah, you take care of the home. I'll go out to battle and I'll, you know, I'll go do the kill. I'll bring home the slaughter, but you take care of the home. And I know I'm guilty of that because I've told Bree that like, I need you. I need you to, to help me. I need you to be the peace in our house. I go out in the world and I get beat up out there. And I deal with so many things and failure, humiliation, maybe things at work and being passed over for, you know, promotions or whatever the case may be. And then I come home, I I need you to create an environment for me um, that's peaceful, that's calming. And likewise, I have to do the same. And so it isn't just her responsibility. And this is saying, Husbands, take ownership of your house. And if something's off in your house, you should be the one to try to put, uh, to try to help to change that environment. Um, The next thing says, be effusive in love. No wife or child has ever said, I was loved too much. Don't be the husband or father who is reserved and expressing your love. Make your wife feel treasured nourish and cherish her grace her life with compliments flowers if she likes them my wife doesn't (laughs) gifts and constant affection hug her from behind while she is washing the dishes carve out regular time for her to escape from the demands of the home encourage her to pursue godly female friendships thank her for the care she provides for you and your children plan and execute date nights Mary and I think this is the The key right here is one sentence: May there never be a doubt in her mind that you treasure that you treasure her above all others and allow your children to see this affection. I think there's something powerful um if you have kids uh, to allow your kids to understand that you cherish your spouse above any living thing in the world. I think it's something powerful. I think it helps them to to see and to visualize what love looks like in action, um, affection. And um I agree. I mean, this this whole idea, no no wife or child has ever said I was loved too much. Um, I think it's always the other way around, and I know typically the stereotype for man is that we are not very, um, not very emotional, very you know outwardly with emotions, and we tend to you know be you know the stereotype is men are the ones that will say, "Well, she knows that I love her." Girl, woman, you know you you know I love you, woman. You know, that type of thing. But fellas, make sure she knows. Make sure there's not a doubt in her mind. Understand her love language, right? Because buying flowers, like if if her love language is not gifts, (laughs) um, then you buying flowers or gifts probably is not going to do anything. Um, If it's quality time, if her love language is quality time, maybe just spending some time with her, making some, you know, making a date night, where it's just you two. Figure out what her love language is. And we'll talk about that another date. If you've never done if you don't know your, your spouse's love language, man, then uh you probably you probably already in trouble. So <laughs> the next one is living grace. I think this is This is good. Living Grace. Um not living grace. Live in grace. This is the next principle. It says Peter says, Live with your wives in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Paul says, uh, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Model and practice grace in your home. Be sensitive to sin, and even more sensitive to extending the same grace you have received. I think this is huge. And this listen. I, I think this is one of the things that I've realized a long time ago, is that, you know, am I, I'm not the, I'm not perfect. You know, I've done, I've done things as a sinner in my lifetime where I've needed God's grace and I've needed God's mercy, and so, how could I, a person who has pleaded for grace and for mercy, time and time again for my heavenly father, how can I then not return that favor? And when I get the opportunity to do so for my spouse. And so I think living in grace and understanding that I, that I should be extending the same grace that God has extended me. And that's really what it is. Um, so husbands don't think that, don't forget, you know, we don't get brand new. Okay. Um, The man you are now is not the man you've always been, and you've needed some forgiveness, and you've needed grace. You've needed mercy in situations, and so we should be extending that to our spouse as well. Protect and be strong is the next principle. Your wife and children need your strength. Not only do they need your strength, but they need to know you are willing to use that strength for their good. You serve as their defender. You are to willingly and gladly stand up for your family, even if that costs you socially, professionally, emotionally, or even physically. And I think, you know, not only is this, I mean, I think, you know, people can look at this as, you know, just standing up for your family. If there's an intruder and you're willing to fight, or you go somewhere and somebody says something to your wife, you're like, oh, no, fish the cuffs, put them up, sir. Um, I don't think that's the only way you can protect your family. And I think when you talk about protecting your marriage and that's from the influence of others, from in-laws, you know, willing to, I know that I told, um, you know, I've told Bree, I said, listen, you know, you're my wife and, you know, there would be relationships I would be willing to lose if they ever disrespected my wife And family, friends, you know, would it be difficult? Absolutely. But if there's a line that's crossed, I have to protect my marriage. There's been times when I've had to tell people who want to give me advice, friends and et cetera. Oh, you know, oh, well, why you didn't do this? Why did you do this? Oh, maybe you should think about this. Oh, maybe you should do that. No, you should do that. And I tell them, no, as long as me and my wife are on the same page, we're good. I appreciate it, but my wife my wife is on the same page as me, and so because of that, protecting my marriage, I'm telling people, listen, it may that may cost me uh socially, you know it may mean I don't get a phone call, it may mean I don't get an invitation because I had to put somebody in their place and tell them, Hey, this is not your place. I'm married.' And my wife is beautiful. She's bad. She's smart. She's brilliant. She's intelligent. and She's also on the same page as me. And that's the only thing I really care about. And so husbands, be willing to go to bat for your wife. Be willing to go to bat for your marriage. Be willing to lose into some things, some people, some friendships, potentially. Um, you're married now, so some things are going to change. You might not be able to go to the same places you used to go. You might not be able to hang out with those same frat brothers. I'm not, you know, no shade. But you not might not be able to do some of them same things. Like, life is different now. And be willing to sacrifice some of those things. Even certain jobs, man. Protecting your marriage. Protecting your Your union. Might mean that you have to turn down a job because it's in an area or a location. Listen, that is that's that's going to be detrimental to to your relationship and your family knowing that you are willing to sacrifice that on the behalf of them is huge. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to turn down every job offer and you know and all of that. What I'm saying is just just be mindful of the impact of the decisions that you're that you're making and uh how that affects the family so we're almost done man um i think this is the last no two more almost done number nine is glory and weakness so it's so funny because the last one was talking about being strong this one says glory and weakness Even as you seek to be strong, you must glory in your own weakness. Your wife and children should know you as a man who happily depends upon the Lord. When they reflect upon your strength, they always count it as from the Lord. And you are happy for them to know the source of your strength. A faithful Christian husband and father will not wallow in his weakness, weakness, but he will glory in it. He will continually look to Christ and model this supremely Christian virtue before his family. So, the last the last thing we talked about was, you know, about being strong and having your family understand that you are willing to sacrifice some things for their benefit. And I and it's so dope how they use this one because, you know, we think of strength and we think of quote unquote weakness, but how strong is it to be able to identify the areas in which you are weak to show that number 1 you're human number 2 that you that um, you can't you don't have all the answers right you can't do everything you know i think we 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 as men and i'm going to generalize generally we because the expectations is we're the breadwinners we have the answers we're setting the foundation spiritual foundation for the home we're setting the tone for the house you know, uh, uh, we, we we have to, we have these responsibilities and this burden that's put on us from the world. And, and sometimes our self, these self-proposed or self-inflicted, um, uh, I guess, goals, whatever. And so we have this idea and this feeling that we can't be weak. We can't show no signs of weakness because how much. How's my spouse going to follow me? How's my my spouse going to look to me? How's my kids going to look to me if I if I if I show that I'm weak? If I show that I don't have an answer? If I don't if I if I act like I don't I don't know the direction that we're supposed to go to in that that moment? And I think the dope part about that is being able to be honest, to be naked, to be transparent. We talked about nakedness, not literally naked, but we talked about nakedness in a previous episode to be completely transparent as Adam and Eve was in in the Garden of Eden and lay it all out on the table for your spouse so that way your spouse can see that it's not you, that your strength doesn't come from you, it comes from God, right? And so this is an amazing opportunity for God to get the glory, and in your ma- in your marriage, and it's going to do amazing things for your kids to be able to see. It. Wow, you know, hey, dad, dad doesn't have the answer for this, but dad is leaning on God to give him the answer and to give him direction and to give him guidance and to give him strength and to give him peace that surpasses all understanding, to give him wisdom, to give him fill in the blank, right? So your kids see that. And then when you get it, when you get the revelation, when you get the healing, when you get the et cetera, et cetera, fill in the blank, they know it didn't come from you. It wasn't you that did it. It was God who did it through you. Whew. So you're teaching lessons to your kids. You are, are are being a great example of what it means to just follow um, and listen and to um And to really just live the life that God has intended for you to live. And I think that's, if you're talking about a game-changing environment or game-changing experience, I think that's dope. Um, So glory in your weakness. Because there's strength in it. Um, And the last one, number 10. This says... And by the way, if you, you know, this is number 10, and we've been talking about the 10 principles for Christians, Christian husbands and fathers. And number 10, gl- um, live with God's glory in view, whether you are at work, rest or play. Seek to glorify the Lord, Paul said. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all the glory of God. And that's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Model before your family, purposeful living. We are always living in the shadow of God's glory. Demonstrate to them that every moment matters. Every person is significant. Every task is important. Laugh when you play with your kids, sweat when you work, and sing loud when you worship. Do all things with this glory in view and do them with your whole heart and soul, especially leading your family. Um that's dope. Live with God's glory and view. Um, it's essentially saying, I, I take this as saying, be the best steward. Steward or steward. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. Be the best steward of everything that God has given you. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. Um, everything that you do, you, you do it unto the Lord, right? So that means you're trying to put your best foot forward in everything that you do. Um, you don't want to mismanage the things that God has given you. You don't want to mismanage the time that God has given you with your family. You don't want to mismanage, um, the gifts that God has giving you. You don't want to mismanage the money God is giving you, um, You, God has given all of us um, job descriptions, essentially, and we've been hired, right? And when we said, I do, we've, we became, you know, um, we're hired (laughs) and he has job descriptions for us. And, you know, we've been talking about some of the the things that we've been called to do as as husbands and uh, that's on our job description. To be the spiritual head of the household, to set the foundation uh, for our family, spiritual foundation, to provide more than one realm, um, to act out in humility, to show grace. Um, you know, these are things that are on that job prescription, and it's just us, it's up to us to, to do the work now. And so, um, this was good, man. I hope that you all got some value out of it. And um I was sitting here talking to myself for about 40 minutes. So hopefully you all um yeah man, hopefully you all enjoy it. And um husbands, we got a lot of work. You know, we got a lot of work. If you thought all we had to do was just make a lot of money and that's it, nah bruh. That's not even half of it. And ladies, if there's any ladies that are listening just want you to to understand that the calling for your husband and for your spouse um, is much more than just providing for you financially. Um, the expectation God's expectation for him is is huge and so don't think that we we are not. Thinking about this on a consistent basis. It, it weighs, like, I know for me, um, I don't really have a lot of conversations with Brie about it, but it weighs on me heavily. Um, lots of days thinking that I'm not doing a good enough job in a lot of these areas. And it's almost like um, when you have a parent. One of the, the things, you know, when I was growing up, you could either get a, uh, you can get a whooping, uh, and get a whipping or a whooping, depends on what you, uh, how you say it, a spanking. Or, you know, sometimes you just get a lecture, but sometimes that lecture was even worse because you saw the, disappoint, the disappointment on your parents' face and just letting your parents down. It, I could deal with my parents being upset but being disappointed hurt me more um, long term getting hit with the extension cord, that that hurt me uh, short term I'm not confirmed nor deny that it ever happened but um, so it's it's kind of the so that disappointment um, for a parent was something that that really hurt me right and it's the same thing man i think i struggle sometimes with feeling like i'm letting god down and uh be and and feeling that i'm not enough right like the calling the calling he has on, on my life ah god you asking a lot from me you know am i equipped to do all of these things am i equipped to You asking a lot, man. God, you asking a lot, bro. You want me to be the spiritual head of the family. I got to be out here and, and, you know, take care of my wife's needs. I got to be a servant to her, even if my needs are not met. Bro, I got to love her like Christ loved the church. Wait, you telling me I'm going to have blessings? I'm going to not have... Wait, hold on. I have to treat her right. Or else my blessings are going to be hindered. Wait, what? But she not trying. God, you asking a lot, man. I'm still, what? So, you know, I just, there's lots of times when I'm just, I'm just like, God, man, you asking a lot for me. You're asking a lot. What about her? What you asking for her? And I really just want to focus on her. But doing things like this just reminds me that there is a calling, God has a calling for each one of us. But God has a design. He has a design for this this covenant relationship that we're in with our spouse. And when everybody plays their role, it works. Um for those who who know basketball and Phil Jackson, you know, created this triangle offense and won so many championships with it and he was kind of the guru and everyone would talk about this triangle offense. And um, I think of the relations, uh, this covenant relationship we're in with our spouses being, you know, as, as as God being that chief architect of this, of this play, you know, and it's a triangle offense. And I think when we have a triangle offense, it's husband, wife, and God, us three. Um. Wait, a triangle? Yeah, that's three. Okay, I was making sure. I was like, wait, that's four, but four is a diamond. But anyway, y'all get what I'm saying. The triangle offense is husband, wife, and God. And when you remove God from that, it's impossible to to run the triangle offense. Which means there's no championships. Hmm. moral of the story. Go back to principle number one, which was what? Pursue holiness. Um, I'ma just I'ma pray this out, man. That's what I'm gonna do. My wife's not here right now. And she didn't want me to make this like super Christian-y, but it's alright. We're gonna do this tonight, though. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to just talk about the design that you have for marriage, the design that you have for husbands. And we just ask that you just continue to strengthen us. Give us wisdom, Lord. Um, We know we need wisdom to be able to make the right decisions, Lord. Give us the strength to be able to, to act accordingly, to everything that you've called us to, Lord. Give us peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord. We ask that every person who's hearing this, Lord, that you cover them, that you touch them, Lord. We ask that you cover their families. We ask for a hedge of protection around them from this coronavirus, this COVID-19, Lord. We just ask that if anybody's been impacted today, Lord, that you just heal, that you move in their lives, Lord, meet unspoken needs in the lives of their families, you know what they need, Lord. If there's any marriages that have any strife right now, Heavenly Father, we just ask that you just you heal them, bring them closer together, Lord. And we know that if they come closer to you, Lord, as we go closer to you, that our relationships with each other will get strengthened, Lord. I just thank you for what we talked about today, Lord. And we just hope that that lives will be changed because of it. We know it's through a podcast or through an Instagram video, Lord, but we know that you've done much more with far less, Lord. And we just thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. We thank you for what you've already done. And we just ask that we just continue to be those beacons of light in this world, Lord. We say this prayer and blessing in Jesus Christ's holy name. We pray. Amen. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. Listen, we not here, but anyway. You know what it is? It's marriage, it's for a dose. Boom boom, boom. It's for a dose It's for adults, dose Marriage is for adults. dose Boom 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 Peace